What's up, everybody? Ryan Thomas live on the Thomas Takes Sports Podcast. And I just wrapped up. Great show. Sports Platter with Mike Lindsley. We talk Bills, Sabres, a little bit of baseball, which I always love talking baseball. That's that's really what, what would be nice. I, I could talk about baseball for days. Uh, I could talk about any sports topic for days. You guys know that. <laughs> but... Uh, I greatly appreciate the time of um, having him have me on the podcast, and and I've always enjoyed joining other podcasts. It's so much fun. Uh, this is great. So um, I'm really enjoying that. Also, last week I had Lorenzo Alexander on my podcast. In case you didn't know, now you know. Bills linebacker Lorenzo Alexander was on the Thomas Take Sports podcast last week, and you can check that out on Spotify. You can check that out on uh, Spreaker. You can check that out on YouTube, all the Thomas Take Sports Podcast. Look it up. You'll find it. It's out there. Tune in. Love it. Enjoy it. Thank you. So that being said, I had to play that intro song. I'm still standing. Elton John. Folks, if there is ever a movie that you need to go out and see, it is Rocket Man with Taron Egerton as Elton John. He was phenomenal. The singing was was so incredible. This guy deserves an Oscar. I'm going to go out and say it. This guy should get the Golden Man, the Oscar, at the Oscars, whenever the hell the Oscars are. But they, they need to give him that, uh, that award. He deserves it so much. He put the work in. He looked the part. He sang the part. He, he played the part. Really, the fact that he was able to sing the songs the way that he did and then play the man, to, to play that iconic figure in the world of music was, was really incredible. And, and a living legend in Elton John, and I've always been a fan. So um, really great story. There was a story so much deeper than, than, a, than a music story, so much more poignant than a, than a music story. There was a story about... A man that that was not accepted for a long time, not even accepted by his own family, and and uh, I think that that's really important that we should all accept each other for who we are and and why we are who we are. So that is my opinion on that. So that being said, UFC two thirty eight, Henry Cejudo versus Marlon Marais. You heard me preview the action on the Thomas Take Sports podcast earlier today where or earlier not earlier today earlier last week last week this time i was on the mic previewing that event great event by the way um got to take it in with a good buddy of mine dave pool shout out to him he tunes in the podcast every episode and we watched the fights at buffalo wild wings um and we're really in awe of just how great the fights were how phenomenal the fights were as advertised it's really rare you see a card on paper and you say holy crap these fights are going to be bananas and they actually are bananas they are just wild and that was the case june 8th saturday night uh which was actually my brother adam's birthday shout out to him 31 years old uh i keep saying that because he's four years older than me but i really shouldn't be saying that because now that he's in his 30s i'm four years away from being 31 which is really crappy because i remember when i was 23 and it doesn't seem that long ago but you know i predicted that henry cejudo would win this fight 
I thought that Cejudo would win just based on his championship pedigree, his ability to perform in real big moments, um, his ability to just show that at any turn in a fight, Henry Cejudo could have the chips, the chips could be down on him. Anything at any point could go wrong. Prior to the fight, things did go wrong. Henry Cejudo had a horrible ankle sprain that was so bad, the fight was almost called off. I had heard through the grapevine uh, Saturday morning, Friday morning actually, that that was the case, that he had hurt his foot on Thursday and he was practicing in in a practice room uh at the UFC Performance Institute and the mat was on some poor poorly you know constricted tape the tape slipped and his foot kind of slipped through a crack in the mat and his foot kind of folded and his ankle sprained which is really common especially in the sport of wrestling that can happen uh, if you have those those rolled out mats that you roll out that have the ridges in them they, they easily roll out, they easily roll in, they're, they're really easy to roll, but you really need, for wrestling, you need an, a regular, flat, rubber wrestling mat. One that you roll over a span of 10 to 15 minutes. <laughs> that's what you need. Um, but that's not what they were dealing with there at the Performance Institute. The, the place is too fancy, apparently, for its own good. You go out and get a wrestling mat, you know, you're not... You're not training on one of the more, shall I say, um, safe structures where they were training on safe structure and it still hurt Henry Cejudo. So that really sucked for him. But he comes out into the octagon. He's got his ankles heavily taped. And my first sign was, okay, when the feet are heavily taped, the ankles are heavily taped, that means that you know, there, there is a little bit of a problem there. There's a sprain. There's something that needed to be tended to. And he wasn't going to wrap one foot because then it would be a dead giveaway that that's the one foot that has the injury. So he wrapped both feet and decided that that's what he needed to do in order to protect himself. And ultimately, it was the right decision because as banged up as that ankle was, you might not have known it. Now, originally in the fight, Cejudo was somewhat hesitant. There was a little bit of a hesitation there. And with that hesitation of providing Marlon Moraes with the right amount of space to throw these leg kicks, to throw these body kicks, to throw the head kick, which oftentimes did not land, Henry Cejudo snuffed the head kick out because he knew that that was going to be a technique that Moraes likes to throw. He threw it on Jimmy Rivera. He threw it on Aljamain Sterling. He finished both of those guys off of throwing that technique. So wasn't much of a shock to the always in tune Henry Cejudo that Marlon Moraes was going to throw that technique, and, and he kind of snuffed it out. He was putting his, his holding the phone, you know, uh, block up and blocking that kick. So that was that was really nice to see. But as I mentioned, with with Cejudo providing Marais the space, it allowed Marais to really throw these leg kicks that were hellacious head or hellacious hellacious leg kicks. Pardon me, these leg kicks were ridiculous. They were hard. They were stiff. They were nasty. 
And Cejudo really had to dig deep. And I kid you not, I've, I've watched a lot of fights, and you guys know that. But I'm going to say it because it helps me reiterate this point. Henry Cejudo and Marlon Moraes, I said it before the fight took place, and I'm saying it again. Henry Cejudo and Marlon Moraes was one of the best UFC fights I have ever seen. Ever. That was one of the best fights because it showed that, yeah, you did have a real true challenger at 135 pounds. He was always there waiting in the wings. And Marlon Moraes, he was always there waiting in the wings. But you also had a true champion in Henry Cejudo waiting in the wings, ready to seize the opportunity, seize the moment, own it. And he did. And then some. Henry Cejudo bit down on his mouthpiece, threw caution to the wind, and said, let's go now. Let's go toe-to-toe. Let's duke it out. Let's find out who has the tougher chin. And as soon as we know, we will know. As soon as we know the answer to that question, the winner will win this fight. The real winner will win this fight. And that's what Henry Cejudo did. He finally realized, he adjusted, he finally realized that the space that Marlon Marais was providing I should say, Henry Sudo finally realized that the space that he was providing Marlon Marais with was allowing Marais to win the fight by throwing these leg kicks, getting the space and throwing these leg kicks. So Henry Cejudo really just went back to the, the old school Henry Cejudo game plan that if you watch some of his earlier fights, he fought that way. He fought pressure, 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 throw strikes to get the takedown, somehow some way get the fight to the ground in a scramble of strikes however i gotta do it i gotta do it so that way i can throw some punches on this guy wear him out and really hurt him and two things happened there henry cejudo did close the distance he did pressure marlon marais but initially marlon marais did not really bend he didn't bend. He kind of stayed stayed flat, kind of stayed, you know, ready to rock. But then the punches and then the kicks that Marlon Marais threw in that fight, in that moment of the fight, was a moment that I think translated the results of the fight or or, or brought us different results of the fight, I should say. Marlon Marais realized that the distance was being closed. He started throwing harder kicks, harder punches, hoping to finish Cejudo. And he was not finishing Henry Cejudo. He could not do it. And with every punch and every kick that was thrown, a little bit got out of the gas tank. A little bit more. A little bit more. A little bit more. And with that, Marais started to get tired. Then Cejudo said, hey, I've taking all this all these shots and I'm still here. Let's go. And then Cejudo was able to get on top of Marais, throw these hellacious punches and win the fight. The new undisputed UFC flyweight and bantamweight champion of the world is Henry Cejudo and and damn that feels pretty damn good. That's a huge feather in the cap. Of not just Henry Cejudo, not just Henry Cejudo's coaches, not just the UFC, 
but for the world of USA Wrestling. There are very few figures in this century as far as United States of America wrestlers like Henry Cejudo. And not many people know that, and that's a real shame. Because outside of the wrestlers that compete within the sport, whether it's at the scholastic level, uh, you know, junior high, high school, college, and then Olympians, and even the MMA community to an extent, not many people really realize just how great of a wrestler for the United States of America wrestling program that, that Henry Cejudo was. He was phenomenal. Not just phenomenal, the guy won a gold medal in the 2008 Olympics, dominated the Olympics, and really just just performed on a huge stage. And that was a huge victory for America in the Olympics at that time. You had Michael Phelps making history as a swimmer, but you had Henry Cejudo as well uh, on the wrestling stage really making history for the United States of America. So for this man to achieve what he's achieved in his combat sports career i really feel like it's been truly phenomenal uh for me as a fan to witness it a fan of cejudo prior to his ufc career even commencing um you really wondered what was going to happen when henry cejudo did decide to dip his toes into the into the ufc octagon if you will and originally you look at it and you say, Henry Cejudo is stepping into the octagon for the first time, you know, big prospect. That's what he was. Big prospect, big name from the Olympic wrestling scene. But then again, you have this Olympic wrestler, gold medalist, no one at that caliber in the Ultimate Fighting Championship. You've had Olympic wrestlers, you've had Olympic alternates, you've had some Greco-Roman champions, you've had decorated mixed martial artists, but you've never had an Olympic gold medalist wrestler. And Henry Cejudo is that. You had some Olympic wrestler by the name of uh, Mark Schultz back in the day brother dave schultz from the whole fox catcher days and stuff like that but i'm talking this generation within the last 10 years henry cejudo has really shown up and uh i'm really proud of him as a fan of his i feel like he deserves whatever he asks for and that's a great segue because what he asked for after that fight was a little odd. I, I will say that. Now now I put on my analytical hat, my critique hat, and say what he asked for after that fight was a little strange. The fact that he asked for Dominic Cruz, he asked for uh, Uriah Faber, he asked for uh, Cody Garbrandt. I mean, come on, Henry. That was, not, uh, that was not what we wanted. We wanted you to say, line them up, stack them up, Give me your best. I will beat them all. That is a badass message. And that was the message that I wanted to hear. Aljamain Sterling, Peter Jan, whoever it is. And both of those guys had great showings in their fights at UFC 238. On the prelim card or on the main card. The fact that Aljamain Sterling was on the, was on the prelims was ridiculous. But it's neither here nor there. Line them up. Give me your best. I will beat them all. That's the message that I wanted to hear from Henry Cejudo. Instead, he says, line them up. Faber, 
Cruz Garbrandt. What? What? Uriah Faber hasn't won, hasn't fought in two years. Cruz hasn't fought in it feels like a decade. Cody Garbrandt has lost three straight fights via knockout. The guy that last knocked him out was by the name of Pedro Munoz, who just lost to Aljamain Sterling. So Aljamain Sterling beats the guy that knocked out the guy that you're calling out? What? That's so bad, Henry. That that did not do you any favors. And the interview, he says, yeah, those guys are legends. Those guys are phenomenal. You know, I want to collect these legends and and beat these guys and and really prop up my resume. (sighs) Here we go again. Where have we heard that before? Oh, yeah. Now I remember. Conor McGregor. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Now I remember. Michael Bisping. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Now I remember. Daniel Cormier. Common thread within each of these instances is that these champ champs have all the leverage in these situations. They can name whoever the hell they want to fight. I love Dan Henderson dearly, and I love the idea of this fight. I called for it to happen. It was a great story. Ideally, you wouldn't have a 15-ranked 46-year-old Dan Henderson fighting your middleweight champ, Michael Bisping, but... When you put those two names together, you know why they are put together. Bisbing, Henderson, UFC 100. Hendo has the phenomenal knockout, USA versus UK. Bisbing's worst loss in the UFC. Bisbing's then the champ. And you put him in there with Dan Henderson to avenge that loss on his home soil in his first title defense. It's exactly what happened, but I honestly thought Dan Henderson won that fight. It's another topic for another day. But I really thought that That was stupid, and it was dumb that people were mad about that fight. But I understood it because he was 15th ranked. Ideally, you'd want the number one contender in any case to fight the champ in that division. And I think Aljamain Sterling is the number one contender, and I think he should fight Henry Cejudo, and I think Henry Cejudo will whoop Aljamain Sterling. And I I say that with all due respect to Aljamain. But Henry Cejudo is a complete fighter. Um, the 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 win versus Demetrius Johnson, the win versus T.J. Dillashaw, the win versus Marlon Marais, they were all fairly solid. Where he showed up, he did his thing. The Demetrius Mighty Johnson fight was the closest of them all. Obviously, the other two were finishes, but I say that in terms of prior to the finishes, you know, Cejudo was dominating. Those guys was dominating TJ Dillashaw. And prior to the finish, Marlon Marais, he was technically dominating Marais to lead up to that finish. That second round was really where things started to get going, and that's where Suhudo really took over. And that momentum swing that I talked about a little bit earlier. But Henry Suhudo, you gotta add current names to the to the legacy. You don't you don't need old names. Trust me. I would like to see Dominic Cruz fight Henry Cejudo. I would like to see Henry Cejudo fight Uriah Faber. I would like to see 
Henry Cejudo fight Cody Garbrandt? Maybe three, four years ago. Not now. Uriah's got a big fight with Ricky Simon in his comeback fight. Dominic Cruz, there's, there's, uh, God bless that guy. He's had so many injuries, but there's no end in sight to his rehab with his injury. Guy's always hurt. Um, it just made a glass, this guy. I, I can't believe the amount of times he's been hurt, and I feel sorry for him. I say that with respect because he's a phenomenal fighter, and I, and I want to see him in there, but he's just always hurt. Cody Garbrandt, the guy has no chin anymore. He can't take a punch. So he plays Rock'em Sock'em Robots too much, too, or at least he did when he was a kid because he fights like that. And that is not a style that is conducive to a, to a long career or a prosperous winning career. So that's how I see that. I want, I want Henry Cejudo and Aljamain Sterling. I want... Cejudo to stop this nonsense about moving up to 145. It's and, and then he says in an interview with Ariel Hawani today on the MMA uh, on Ariel Hawani's MMA show, he says, "Well, if Frankie Edgar beats Max Holloway, I'll fight Frankie Edgar at 145." Come on, dude. Come on, man. You can't call a guy out like that. Well, if this guy wins the title in this weight class, I'll fight him. No, stop. It's disrespectful to the champ of that division, Max Holloway, who's the reigning, defending, undisputed champ of that division. And who the hell is to say, with all the respect, who the hell is to say that Frankie Edgar will win that fight? I don't think he's going to win that fight. Frankie's done crazy things in his career, but Max Holloway is twice his size, and he's nasty. One of the most nasty fighters on the planet. I don't know. That's really my thoughts. Cejudo put together, in a nutshell, my thoughts are that Cejudo put together a phenomenal performance, great performance, but I feel like his post-fight call-out really did not help his case, being the pound-for-pound great. You can't call guys out like that. That was just stupid. Okay, so as far as the Coleman event, You had Valentina Shevchenko versus the, with all due respect, in way over her head, Jessica I. And now, I knew this fight was in in trouble from the beginning due to the fact that Jessica I wore a bulletproof vest to the stare down. I thought, oh, she's screwed. Pardon my language. She's she's effed. She's fucked. (laughs) She's, she's, she's effed. And I, I say that with all due respect because she she had no business being in there with her. And I say that with all due respect because Jessica I is a decent fighter. She was ranked number one in the division. UFC flyweight. Valentina Shevchenko, folks. She is one of the best fighters on the planet. The things that this woman does in these fights, she is such a tactician in there. She's so calculated. She's so calm, cool, and collected that I've never seen anything like it. I really haven't. In in all my years of watching the sport, I've never seen anything like it, especially for a women's MMA fighter because women's MMA is still relatively new 
in comparison to MMA in general, but she has evolved as fast as any MMA fighter I have ever seen. Her punches are so crisp. Her her kicks are so fluid. She is phenomenal. And I don't see anybody beating her. Frankly, I thought she beat Amanda Nunes the second time they fought, but that's neither here nor there. And what a different world it would be if she had beat her. You watch that fight over again, you'd see that Shevchenko looked like she was going to win, you know, from the decision. And Nunez looked like she thought she lost. And then when Nunez gets their name read, she just jumps for joy like she just won the lottery. That was tough to swallow for me, you know, as, as a fight fan. I want to see these fights get judged correctly and, and, and rightly. But, uh, yeah, that's that was that. Was that. So I think Valentina Shevchenko... Whoever she fights, she's going to finish him or hurt him very badly over a course of 25 minutes. I don't see anybody beating her. I can't speculate on anybody beating her because I don't see it. I just don't. You go look at her resume. She beat Holly Holm, beat Juliana Pena, beat Joanna uh, Jacek, Jessica I. Just, she is phenomenal. She's going to be very, very tough to beat. Very tough to beat. Women are afraid to fight her. It's getting to that point. Amanda Nunes did not want to fight her. Whoever was the inaugural champ, I can't remember, Nico Montano, she didn't want to fight her. So I don't see her losing anytime soon. Next up on the docket, you got Tony Ferguson and Donald Cerrone. Boy, do I have a lot to talk about with this fight. I loved this fight. I loved when it was announced, and I, I loved it watching it, and I love it now. And a lot of fans will say, you love it now, and the fight got stopped early. Yeah, I love it now because the fight got stopped early. That fight had to be stopped. Donald Cerrone blew his nose when his eye was swelling shut and it caused the eye to swell shut faster. And it was unfortunate, but you got to protect that guy. The guy's got a kid. The guy's one of the, the, the pioneers of the sport, really. And to say he's a pioneer really makes him sound old, but he's not Chuck Liddell pioneer or, or Den, Hender- Den Henderson pioneer or, or Randy Couture pioneer. I, I say it like he's really what it's all about. Donald Cerrone really is MMA. He's everything that MMA is about. The The character that he is... In the octagon, out of the octagon, his fighting style, his ability in fighting, I think is is second to none uh, as far as the the mindset that he has. But it sucks seeing him lose like that because I'm a huge fan of his and I'm also a fan of Tony. You know, I I really respect what Tony has done over the course of his career. That's his twelfth straight win, twelve wins in a row, and. It's, it's going to be great to see him get that title shot finally. So as far as that fight being stopped, that was justified. Tony needs to fight Habib. That fight has to happen. If Habib gets through Dustin Poirier, which would be tough, but if Habib gets through Dustin Poirier, 
Uh, you know, I think the fight will be a good fight. I, I have Habib winning it, but if Habib can get past him, then Tony and Habib needs to happen. I, I'm done talking about Connor and getting his rematch. He, the guy's nowhere to be found. He, he's off the face of the earth. He's wearing a cast on his hand, messed up his thumb, whatever. I, I don't even care about that. He needs to go retire or fight Justin Gaethje. Do something. Instead of posting these stupid these stupid Instagram videos or stupid posts. I'm just so done I'm done with it, really. I'm I'm bored of it. I find the, the Justin Bieber tweet at Tom Cruise more entertaining than the current state of, of Conor McGregor's career. I mean it's as about it's about as relevant as that. And even even Conor had to throw his name into the ring for that. That's how irrelevant he is now in, in the sport of MMA. He needs that stuff to make him relevant. That's sad, dude. It's real sad, real stupid. You don't want to see an immediate rematch when the fight wasn't close. Let him be fight some new blood. Let Connor fight some new blood. Put Connor in there with some new blood. Put him in there with Justin Gaethje. Why not? Makes sense. Let Justin get paid. Let Connor. You really, you really want to find out whether Connor McGregor wants to fight anymore? Put him in there with Justin Gaethje. You'll find out real quick. <laughs> You'll find out real fast. Tony needs that shot. Tony deserves that shot. He's done everything and anything to get that shot. Give him that shot once this interim fight is over. He deserves it. The interim unification fight with Dustin and uh, Habib. And really, the, the UFC didn't really do Tony any favors by putting him in there with Cerrone because you knew both of those guys were going to mess each other up. And now, well, it is only, that's June. So September, really what I'm trying to say is the UFC didn't do him any favors in, in putting him in there with Donald because if Tony got really hurt in that fight, and then if Dustin gets hurt for the Habib fight, then Tony can't fill in on a short notice. So that sucks. Cerrone is definitely not filling in on a short notice this time. So I guess that's it. That's my take on UFC 238. All-around great night of fights. Really memorable performance from Henry Cejudo. Valentina Shevchenko, living legend. She's going to keep winning, knocking, peep, knocking her, her opposition out. And... These ladies are in real trouble at the UFC flyweight division. The men are in trouble in the UFC flyweight division. Henry Cejudo is a badass living legend. And then you got Tony Ferguson winning his 12th in a row. Great three fights right there that I recapped, broke down for you, and really enjoyed talking about. So I'm Ryan Thomas. That was the Thomas Take. Take care. Join the takeover at Ryan Thomas Take. Thank you very much.